Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to prepare you for Sunday worship and beyond. Today, Pastor Wright and I are ready to have a great conversation with you about the transfiguration of our Lord. We're going to cover all three of the readings, from the Old Testament reading in Exodus, to Paul talking in 2 Corinthians, to finally the transfiguration as talked about in Mark. In this broad discussion, we are going to look at how Christ has revealed himself to us to become the light that shines into our hearts, the light that shines into our world, this middle point between Epiphany and Lent. So stay tuned and get ready. Get right for Sunday. Today, we are going to look at the transfiguration of our Lord. It's also the last Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord. So this is really changing gears and helping us to prepare for Lent. Yeah, this, this is a shifting point, I'd say, in the, in the church here. here. Yes. And uh, this is kind of one of those, like, in-between church holidays yeah. where we're really coming out of Epiphany and into Lent, but we're not really fully in either for this Sunday, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. And one of the things I really like about Transfiguration Sunday is Epiphany is all about revelation. Right. Who is Christ and Christ revealing himself. And you don't get bigger than the Transfiguration. Right. This is this is kind of the climax of that. Yeah. Uh, the, like, the end of it. Yeah. In that this is Christ fully revealed to some of his, his apostles. But also, I would say, and we've had conversations about this, this is also the beginning of Lent in that this is the light yes. which carries us through the darkness of Lent. So it's there's kind of a like foot in both uh, camps here. And I really like that imagery because now we see the light of Christ, which will carry us through Lent and will help us see that we have light at the end of the tunnel. And not that Lent becomes this dark and gloomy situation, but it is the idea that we get to once again see that it is the Christ, the light of Christ that shows us our sin Ooh. and shows us the gospel. Well, and that, and, and we'll get into this when we start talking about the transfiguration. That's in a certain sense what this light does. Yeah. The, the light of Christ is both good news and in a certain sense, bad news. In yeah. that in full holiness, that light exposes the darkness in us, but it also brings dark to the light, to the dark world and light to our dark selves. Right. And it is humbling. And as Christians and people of faith, it is glorious. It is exciting. And we do really do get to approach in fear and trepidation, but only because it is the might and power of God in his mercy and love. Right. So before we actually get into the transfiguration, I want to jump into the second Corinthians reading. It is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and a little bit of verse 4. If you would like to hear this reading, you can hear it on the readings podcast that was dropped yesterday evening. Yeah, it's, it's the episode right before this one. It's got a nice red picture so that you can easily identify that. I definitely recommend you go and check that out first. Since it's good to kind of uh, hear and contemplate those texts before we do the deep dive we're about to do. Absolutely. 
So you got St. Paul, and only St. Paul can talk in this way. (laughs) His first statement is, we are bold in the hope that we have in Christ, not like Moses. I think Moses is a pretty bold guy to do the things he did. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a this is a controversial statement too. Yeah. In that Moses is uh, really the the height of the Old Testament figures. Right. He's the one who brought the law. He's one of the the greatest prophets who brought the Israelites out of Egypt at God's command, which is. Uh, for the Israelites, basically the Old Testament version of the gospel, God yeah. rescuing his people. Mm-hmm. So huge deal, huge guy. And Paul's going to say, no, 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 we're not like him. And that's a good thing. Yes. So uh, again, Moses prefigures the prophets, mm-hmm. prefigures Christ. So a lot's riding on Moses. But what does Moses point to? Now, he does point to Christ. But Moses is all about the law, all about the relationship of the things that we are to do in the relationship with God. God commands, Moses delivers that command. So in the Old Testament lesson, he goes to uh, Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments. But because he talked to God, because he was in the presence of God, he veiled himself because he was shiny. And what do you mean by veiled himself? So he actually covered his face with a veil. Okay, so like a bride on a wedding day type of veil? Absolutely. And with that, it was because people couldn't look at him because he was so shiny. And now I'm saying shiny to, to make it kind of funny, but he really did reflect the light of God because he was in his presence. Okay. So much so that Aaron and the leaders were afraid to approach him. And so, and I don't want to say for their protection, but he covered himself. He veiled himself. Now, so, so here's what I'm reading, and maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this. You're saying that they made Moses wear a mask and told him to social distance. Pretty much. <laughs> Absolutely. So now Moses prefigures the prophets, prefigures Christ, and prefigures coronavirus. That's pretty (laughs) impressive. I I like that. Uh. But exactly, it was uh, to to do exactly that. And you have St. Paul calling out Moses. Why have you veiled yourself? Mm -hmm. You are in the presence of God. Show yourself. And this is your statement. We're not like Moses, and that's a good thing. Because we're in the light of Christ and we don't cover ourselves. We right. don't cover the preaching of the gospel. We don't diminish it. We don't make it less. We make this a big deal. And um, St. Paul will go on to talk about the idea that um, our ministry, our preaching, if it is veiled, it's because of the people listening to it. And those are the people of unbelief, the people who have hardened their hearts. Right. As he says, those who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world, who has blinded the minds of the unbeliever. And and just a real quick note about Moses uh, veiling himself. Paul Paul isn't saying like, bad Moses, how no, dare you right. do that? Moses needed to do that because at the time, uh, no one could approach God, could look at him head on. In fact, Moses didn't even. He saw the backside of God, and still he walks away shining with the light of God, which, as the Israelites know, is dangerous. It's why later when they set up the the temple, they have the Holy of Holies, that only, like, the 
greatest of priests can go into because to be in the presence of God is a great thing, but also a dangerous thing. And yeah. and Jesus changes all of that. Right. As, as Paul says, he literally lifts that veil. The access to God is granted because God himself has come down. Well, and with that, we have when God shows up on Mount Sinai, everybody sees it. Mm -hmm. The whole mountain is engulfed in fire, earthquake, the whole nine yards. Like and, something's going down. Yeah, you can't miss this. And when Moses comes and says, God says, the people say, Moses, do us a favor. You talk to him. We don't <laughs> want to hear this. Right. And it's not that they don't want God's word. They don't want to be in his presence. Mm -hmm. And Moses really does get to be priest, pastor, and he's the middleman. And this is hard for us to understand because we know we only need one mediator, right. Christ. Uh, but we forget that was not always the case. Before Christ came, uh, direct unfettered access to God was a great but extremely dangerous thing. And, and that's why the, the veil, and that's why St. Paul makes this big deal, and it's not bad Moses, but we have moved from that because we have Christ. You're right. And that veil is lifted. What, he, what he's criticizing is those who continue exactly. to put that veil there when Christ has lifted it. Well, and it's really easy to do. It's easy to hide behind these things. It's easy to find the ceremonial laws or even the self-justification, I have to do this because God said so. And now we're misusing uh, St. Paul's uh, underhandedly. Yeah taking care of God's word. And it is the self-failing and in placing law and not necessarily God's law on our actions or the way we view scripture or we interact with God. Moses right. is commanded by God to give and deliver the law. This law points to the coming Messiah. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Old Testament is all about. St. Paul has every right to point out, just as you said, we're living in the New Testament Christ has come. The epiphany, the revelation of Christ is here. Right. Let this veil be removed. Mm -hmm. And again, only Paul can talk like this. And it's a lot of comfort because that's exactly what we have today. And we didn't get to experience the transfiguration. No. But we do have the revelation of Christ, which is continually preached it is continually delivered. It's one of the reasons we have this podcast. Yeah. To strengthen, to remind, and to build. And we're not furthering the revelation. No. We're bringing that very revelation that has been given to us by God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ because of the Father to you. And St. Paul, again, does this beautiful job. In fact, uh, when in doubt, quote God. And this is uh, <laughs> verse 6 of... Uh, Second Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, and he shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Well, with that verse in mind, this light shining into our hearts to give knowledge of the glory of God, let's turn now to our gospel reading and look at the transfiguration event itself. Six days, Peter, James, and John with Jesus. Jesus took them. He's leading. Right. And they go up a high mountain. We don't know which mountain it is. There's some theories and thoughts. It doesn't matter. And the way Mark writes, they're walking, they're walking, 
they're walking. Six days later, they end up on top of this mountain, and poof, Jesus becomes radiant. And he's such, he's such a matter-of-fact yeah. writer. <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. You know, no, no preamble. And I'm, I have to say, I'm very curious. What did they do for six days? Mm-hmm. And did Jesus prepare them for this? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, Jesus, where we're going? Don't worry, you'll know when we get there. Hey, Jesus, what's going to happen? You'll see it. You know, are we there yet? <laughs> well, and I want to point out these guys that are coming along, Peter, James, and John. Mm-hmm. These are these are some of the disciples who get a lot of screen time. The, the inner circle. Uh, they're the inner circle. But let's also not forget, they actually aren't doing so hot right now. Yeah. Peter, right before this, oh yeah, uh, Jesus has said, I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. This is how I'm going to be glorified. And Peter takes him aside and he rebukes him. And he's like, no, no, not Jesus, stop. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. So that's what happened to Peter right before this. And let's remember uh, James and John, our our favorite sons of Zebedee, our sons of thunder. Yeah. Uh, If I'm recalling correctly, uh, they've also stepped out of line a few times, uh, told Jesus to call down fire on a city. They they volunteered. Yeah. They volunteered to, we will call down. Right. So uh, as much as we might be like, oh, these are the inner circle. These are the holiest. Um, No. Actually, maybe if anything, these are the guys that are going to need this the most because they don't understand how Christ will be ultimately glorified, not by being lifted up as this holy symbol for all people to see shining in the light of God, but in weakness, crucified on the cross. Well, absolutely, because the Messiah, the promised Messiah, especially from the Old Testament, is the conquering hero. Mm -hmm. And Rome is this awful occupying nation. And the Jews are waiting for the Messiah to kick Rome out. I don't think Peter, James, and John are looking for the hero in Jesus. Mm -hmm. But that's also the Messiah that they've been prepared to receive. Right. And I I think there's a lot of credence to what you just said. That, yes, they might be the inner circle, not because they're the ones that get it, but because they're the ones that need it. Yeah. And I I think it's interesting because they, they see a lot. I mean, to say that they get an eyeful is an understatement. So he becomes, uh, his clothes become radiant, intensely white. No one could ever bleach his clothes this this way. And then Elijah and Moses show up and they talk with Jesus. Fascinating. This is pretty unprecedented. Yes. Again, uh, dead people don't show up. Yep. And then people who have been dead for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. Just show up. Well, and uh, with Elijah, uh, Elijah, as far as we know, oh, yeah. never even died. That's right. Uh, he was taken up in a chariot of fire to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know where he's coming from here. Yeah. Um, and Moses, if you remember, he went out into the desert and it just says God buried him. Yeah. Uh, the Israelites don't know where he was buried. They don't know where his grave is. So that's kind of mysterious, too. Um but both of these guys show up here. And I, I like that they show up because we see that Jesus talking with Elijah and Moses, you have Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophets, there's Elijah, and the fulfillment of, of the law, which is Moses. And I think it's interesting because you have the Old Testament right there and you see the fulfillment 
in Jesus. So all the prophecies in Elijah and then all the law in Moses fulfilled in Christ. Well, and I'll, I'll go even a little bit further with, with Elijah here in that there were these prophecies mm -hmm. that Elijah will return uh, before the Messiah. And so when John the Baptist shows up, uh, they're like, is this Elijah? And uh, there's even some very legitimate connections there. And in fact, right after this, Jesus basically says like, yes, John the Baptist was fulfilling the role of, uh, the role of um, Elijah. Elijah in that he was preparing for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, but also uh, here is Elijah in the flesh or in the somehow here mm -hmm. um, to fulfill, kind of doubly fulfill that prophecy in my eyes in that the prophecy is fulfilled by John the Baptist, fulfilling the role of Elijah, preparing the way. Uh, but also Elijah really does actually show up um, and talks with, with Jesus here. Mm -hmm. Well, Elijah plays a, a prominent role. In fact, even when Jesus is on the cross, you hear the Pharisees and the people uh, around the cross, he's calling out to Elijah, let's see if Elijah comes. Elijah's really on the minds of yeah. the Israelite people at this time. Well, it, it, like you said, if Elijah shows up, that must be the Messiah. Right. And so that, that's a big, big deal. And they talked with Jesus. And here is Peter and all his great and wondrous wisdom. This is Peter at probably his most Petery. Yes. Jesus, it is good that we're here. Okay, that's good, a good, good. good statement. Awesome. Nobody asked you, yep. Peter, but glad you like it. Yep. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then I love Mark jumps in. <laughs> he did not know what he was saying. He didn't know what to say because they were terrified. I, I think there's a lot to that. I have no idea what this would look like. What things would we say? I think of like um, when you don't know what to say, you always say the stupidest things. <laughs> That's true. And, and so Peter does that. And I think God helps a lot in this. God always helps. But a cloud overshadows them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly look around, looking around, they no longer saw anyone there but Jesus. This cloud, of course, is the work of God, the voice of the Father. This is my son. I like that there's this imagery, this allegory, this symbol that the cloud actually becomes the tent. It wasn't that, uh, didn't Origin, Origin yeah. the early church father, talk about that? And I, and I like the, this imagery. I, I won't go any further with it, but it's the idea. I think it actually protects uh, Peter from making a tent mm -hmm. and the whole idea that he's missing the point. I don't want to just keep you here. Right. I want to actually be a part of you. And so this covering, no, this is the tent. It's the tent of the Spirit. It's the tent of God. And I'm bringing you in. You're not bringing me in. And I really like that. And then, of course, God talks, reveals what's happening. This is my son. And I, I hear a very fatherly voice in this. Mm -hmm. This is my son. Listen to him. And that's a command. Yeah. But it's also promise because who has the words of eternal life? And that, that's Peter's confession, only the Lord. Right. <laughs> now, I, I was uh, reading the second Matthew commentary by Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, and he was talking about this event in Matthew. And one of the things he brought up is the connection between these words and Peter 
wanting to make this tent. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, Peter is missing the point, which we all know. Yeah. But I think we can all figure that out. He didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, but what Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs points out is Peter says, let's make a tent for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And Peter is essentially saying like, wow, you guys are great. You guys are all on the same level. Ooh, I like that. Um, and it is to this that God speaks and says, this is my beloved son, Jesus. Elijah and Moses uh, are not equals. They point to him, mm -hmm. which must have been mind-blowing uh, for a first century Palestinian Jew yeah. uh, to hear this. Uh, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Yeah. None of this like tense for everybody type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's missing the point, you know, with with the uh, with the trying to house them anyway. Right. Um but th that was just a point that I thought was interesting. Um Well, yeah, and especially being the last Sunday of Epiphany, again, the revelation or being revealed. This is my son. I don't think Peter, James or John got it. No. And and, and I don't think they could. And like you just said, to, to hear this, and not that it had been, how do you comprehend this? What is this? Jesus has mentioned his death. Jesus has mentioned who he is, what he is. They're still following him. Yeah. And they still have faith and they still trust, but they don't get it fully. And, and the Holy Spirit hasn't been given to them in the sense of like so, Pentecost. So we can't blame them right. really as much here. And, and I won't throw them under the bus saying that they're doubting or anything like that. No. A lot of big things that naturally don't happen are happening. And they're asking, they're being asked to participate in things that they literally can't comprehend. Right. And it takes God, the Father, this is my beloved son. And I like what, how you pointed out with uh, the Gibbs commentary, not those other guys. This, listen to him. This because echoes he is his, the fulfillment. This echoes he, his baptism too. Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's absolutely the fulfillment of that, and this is one of the clearest examples of Jesus's divinity. Yes, uh, as well, uh, we can see uh, not only is this event this Jesus glowing with light from Himself. Mm -hmm. So, when Moses, we talked about Moses, came down from the mountain and his face was shining, yep. the the light of God had shone on him and was now reflecting off of him. Yep, kind of like the the moon to the sun. The moon has no light of of right. its own; it just reflects the sun. In this event. The light is shining from Jesus. It's not from God onto Jesus and he reflects it. Mm -hmm. The light comes from Jesus himself. Yes. So this event shows Jesus' divinity as well as God's statement, this is my this is my son. Well, it, it's uh, St. John, the first chapter, the light of the world is coming in. Yeah. Uh, it is God and we see him in Jesus. And St. Paul makes a big deal about the father and the son are one and the work, the imprint, and what's great about the Mount of Transfiguration, we still have that. Mm. We're in his presence. Now, he's being revealed not in this way, but he is still yet being revealed in his fullness. We still hear his promises. We still see and hear his work fulfilled. And we get to dwell in that presence as he comes to us. Right. And that is what Transfiguration is all about how he reveals himself to us so that we're not, and I don't want to say stupid like St. Peter, <laughs> but 
that we don't try to easily categorize them, put them in our pocket and use them as we see. Right. But use him as he delivers himself for comfort, for healing, for the strengthening of faith, for the resurrection, for life everlasting. So that's that's all kind of epiphany stuff. Yes. But this is also, I want to talk about how this leads into Lent in that um, Lent is going to be really our look at Jesus's journey from glory to glory, mm-hmm. uh, from this glorification, uh, the transfiguration where he's literally like glorified as God. Yes. To his glorification that looks the complete opposite of this, dying in weakness on the cross. Um, and both actually are Christ in his full glory, uh, but they look so different. Mm-hmm. And that's what these disciples were having so much trouble grasping. And I think that's why Jesus wants to show them both of these sides here. He wants them to understand this glory so that they can understand his glory uh, on the cross right. as well. And that's that's kind of going to be our journey here as well, from glory to glory. Well, absolutely. And for us, this is the time to be reflective and repentive. Yeah. We do look at our sins. We do look inward just a little bit. We don't turn inward. Right. That's, that's kind of how Luther defines sin is turning inward. Right. And when we look inwardly, we see there is nothing good there. And so we can immediately turn back to the transfiguration. There is the light of God. And then we get to look to the cross. There is my salvation. And as you said, the two pinnacles, God being God in his fullness. And it is so interesting to say, and it's almost so contrary, when Jesus is on the cross dying, there is the strength and might of God at work. Right. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't. And there it is, the conquering Lord, conquering sin, death, and hell for you. The very God that showed himself in the brilliance of transfiguration is the very God that takes on your sin, your death, your hell, and defeats them through death, through these weak, weak means. Which I think adds actually a lot of depth to that. Yeah. And uh, opens up a lot of ability to, to kind of contemplate that in that realizing that the Jesus on the cross is the same Jesus who was transfigured, mm-hmm. the same Jesus who had the complete power and authority yes. of God now dies at the hands of men surrounded by enemies, uh, his mother, those who mourn him, uh, with people saying, you know, if, if you are who you say you are, come off that cross. But he stays up there to prove exactly who he really is. Uh, the Son of God who suffers and dies for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. And that is the glory and majesty of God. It is a humbling life, and it's what we get to have in faith and the joys that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal this for us so that we can make it through Lent to Easter in the great and celebration of Jesus' resurrection, which is our resurrection. Now, uh, We've got something special for you in that we want to open up to you a little bit more. We've attached a link in the description and on the post attached to this episode that we'd love for you to click on and fill out just a short survey. We've got a couple of questions for you that mostly talk about how you've been hearing and receiving this podcast, what you'd like to hear, whether you have any questions for us. Uh, So take just a little bit of time, probably won't take more than two minutes to reach out and connect with us. 
We're here to serve you. We're here to bring God's word to you, to help you dive into it. And so uh, help meet us there. Uh, reach out, fill it out, and we would love to address some of those questions and thoughts in a later episode. Yeah, just as Vicar said, this is our way to engage you and to give you opportunity to participate in this conversation, and not necessarily just about this text, but truly about this podcast and beyond. We greatly, greatly thank you for listening, and thank you for your prayers and your support. God's peace. very thankful that you have joined us for Get Right for Sunday. I know your time is valuable, and I appreciate that you joined us to listen, discuss, and learn what our Lord gives to us through the gospel. You can join us here at Holy Cross on Saturday at 6 p.m. and on Sunday at 8 a.m. and 10.30. God's peace and blessings be upon you.